Well, glory. Get your Bibles out. And if you would go to, uh, go to, go to 1 Samuel 3 1. 1 Samuel 3 1. Now, I want to I continue to share something with you this morning because I, I really believe it's important, especially after that, that prayer we just had. Um, I'm still talking about hearing the voice of God. As a Christian, you, I've already determined, I mean, I've already laid down to the, to the people of the jury, right? I've already laid down the case that God wants to speak to you. I mean, you can go back and listen to all the messages. You are sheep. According to John 10, sheep hear his voice. You are programmed to hear the voice of God. Now, I, I, I've told you all this, and I, I'm, I t- asked my wife if I could tell this story because I was having to try to clean it all up and make sure it was good. I didn't get myself in trouble, but anyway, so um, you're a sheep and you're supposed to hear the voice of God. If you're a born again Christian and Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, you're a sheep. I know you don't maybe like that. You would rather be known as a thoroughbred or, you know, a great cutting horse or something, but you are a sheep. And the, John 10 says, sheep hear his voice. Everybody say, I hear the voice of God. Now. I told y'all this that, you know, I got a new puppy, and so I knew that there was going to be messages come out of it. Now I'm beginning to think that God sovereignly arranged for me to get this dog so that I would get out of where I was and had to change my whole course because it's changed my whole prayer life up and everything. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of just see God in all of it. But anyway, so here's the story. Um, and this is what I'm trying to clean up so I don't want to scandalize anybody this morning. You know, uh, little puppies, you know, you got to take them out in the morning, go to the bathroom, right? And so they're going to do their business pretty much wherever they want to do their business. And so I don't want to step in their business. And so in the mornings when I take the little dog out, I'm watching to where the little dog goes to the bathroom. And then I pick it up and I move it. All right. And so that makes sense, right? That's all reasonable. That's not scandalous. Okay. But I got to noticing something that. As this process has taken place over the last few weeks, uh, or longer than that, but anyway, uh, I got to noticing that dung beetles were immediately flying in, like fighting me for it. And so, I mean, I, I was like, wow. So I got to researching dung beetles, of all things. Because this phenomenon just amazed me. You don't see anything. They're not flying around like gnats. They're not everywhere like the mosquitoes now, right? And then all of a sudden, business is done. I'm like, where'd he come from? And if you've noticed these beetles, you know, they're not very graceful, right? So anyway, a few stories, a few facts. You can go research it, look it up. It's not like I'm... You know, a genius in this field. I just looked at us all up. But it says, and I'm just quoting facts that the Internet tells me, okay? So if you say I'm wrong, well, then whatever. Take it up with them. But they say that a dung beetle has the ability to smell dung up to a mile away. A mile! Now, you know... I just, I mean, there's a whole message in that, okay? <laughs> but this is a fascinating part to me. So this dude's flying a mile away, and, and he comes honing in, all right? I've always observed and noticed forever my whole life that, you know, they roll it backwards. And I always thought, how do they know where they're going? Right? You're going backwards. You're rolling it backwards, and I always thought that, you know, you're just stupid. You don't care. I mean, I just never have figured this out, right? Well, I looked it up. And this is the truth. All right? Now, I can't believe how many of our tax dollars got spent finding this research out. But a dung beetle moves the dung back to its hole based upon the Milky Way. Yeah, you say, what? Yeah, that's what I said, too. I looked this up. I said, it got to be wrong. They navigate by the stars. And the way that they know this is they, this is where our tax dollars went, spent, God 
can only imagine how much money of our dollars putting little hats glued on to the dung beetle so he can't see the sky. That's what it said. They glued hats on them. And when they glued the hats on them so they could not see the sky, they just went in circles and would never get anywhere. So the minute I'm looking at this and I'm researching this and I'm looking at this and when I hit that, I say, oh my gosh, to the Christian who is not hearing the voice of God, you're just going to walk around in circles like the dung beetle with a hat on. <laughs> so you're probably going to remember this message today. All right. So if you don't want to just be, see, this is where I'm trying to really clean it up. If you just don't want to be pushing it around in a circle, <laughs> you better start hearing the voice of God. Okay. So first Samuel three, one is the story of Eli. The first time he heard the voice of God. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to start. I'm going to read 14 verses here. So y'all just hold on. It says, now the boy Samuel Minister to the Lord before Eli. I said, Eli, Samuel, when Samuel heard the voice of the Lord. And the, the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, when his eyes had begun to grow dim, that he could not see before the lamp of God went out of the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered and said, here I am. So he ran to Eli and he said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I didn't call you. Lie down and go to sleep, kid. I added that. And he went and he laid down. And when the Lord called to him again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and he said, here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I didn't call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went, he laid down in the place. Now the Lord came and st stood and called at, uh, as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And he answered and said, speak. For your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both the ears. And so he goes in and he tells him all that's going to happen, okay, and, and gives him the word of the Lord. Amen? But do you notice here that Eli was hearing a voice? And he, I mean, Samuel was hearing a voice, but he, he just thought it was Eli calling him. So the way that uh, what I'm trying to get you to understand here is that he was literally hearing a voice. It wasn't a sound. It wasn't a tone. It wasn't a something else. It was a voice. And he heard the voice. And so he goes to the person who usually calls him and thinks it's Eli, right? But do you notice that Eli told him to do something? He said, you go sit down there and you say, yes, yes, Lord, the sir, I, I'm your servant and I'll hear your voice. You're not going to hear the voice of God if you say, well, God didn't really speak to me. If you walk around all the time saying, God doesn't speak to me, God's not going to speak to me. I, you know, God would tell me, he may talk to Pastor Robert, he ain't going to speak to me. You know, you're, you're, you're being disobedient. You have got to get to the place in your life that you believe sheep hear your voice. But this is where I want to set things right because I want you to understand because 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Folks, there's a lot of crazy people out there. And there's a lot of crazy preachers out there. And there's a lot of crazy prophets out there. There are good preachers out there. There are good prophets out there. But there's a lot of craziness. And you must be able to distinguish truly between the voice of God and the voice of man. But in order for you to do that, you're going to have to learn and study to rightly divide the word of truth. Here's just, I mean, I'm just giving you a big for instance. If I say God loves you, that's a truth, right? And if I want to fluff it up a little bit, I can say, oh, yay, hey, thus saith the Lord, I love you. But I still said the same thing. Or I could say, look at what John 3.16 says. 
For God so loved the world. You're a part of the world. God loves you. All right? I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong in the way of delivery because everybody's a little different. But what I'm point is, if you know what the Word of God says in John 3, 16, you would know that God loves you, and that is a biblical truth. So if I said to you, turned it around, and I said, Yea, hey, thus saith the Lord, I am greatly disappointed in you, and I don't really like you right now. See, if you knew the Word of God, you knew what John 3.16 says, you would say, oh, whoa, 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 you've rightly divided the Word of truth. That's not, that can't be God speaking because the Bible says God loves me. You follow what I'm saying? You have to be able to distinguish it. And so some people get out there and get to splitting hairs and kind of just cutting on the edges and they get people to thinking, well, is this God or not? And what I want you to be able to deal with is what is obvious. Because, folks, I'm telling you, when we get the obvious down and get it in our life, like love your neighbor, the rest comes easy. When everybody sits around trying to say, well, I'm operating in the gift of word of wisdom or the word of knowledge or what was that exactly? You spend all your time doing all of that you, and you don't love your neighbor. Well, then you've missed the first part. and The second part is no good. So we have to rightly divide the word. All right. Now. There are people out there that don't want to spend time rightly dividing the word. They don't want to put forth the effort to read their Bible. Right? They just want to roll into the Holy Ghost store and order something and get it and leave. They don't want to spend time rightly dividing the word. You know, I've told this story a jillion times. I'll tell it one more time because it's a perfect story of the woman who was cooking the Thanksgiving turkey. She's cooking the Thanksgiving turkey. She's cutting it in half. The daughter says to her mom, Mom, why are you cutting the turkey in half? She said, well, you know, I don't really know why. I just know that my mother always cooked the turkey this way, and so I've just always cooked the turkey this way. So they said, well, let's call Grandma and say, what is the specialty of cutting the turkey in half? Why do you do that? So she called her Grandma and said, Grandma, we've always wondered, why do you cut the turkey in half? What does this have to do with the cooking? She says, absolutely nothing. My oven was too small. And they had just carried the tradition down because they thought that's the way mother did it because there was a special reason for it. The turkey would taste better. But no, they cut it in half because the oven was too small. So a lot of times you think you're rightly dividing the word, but did you get that word because you know it's the revelational truth from the word because you studied it and got it? Or is it because you heard brother so-and-so say it one time on a TV show? I once had a person get very angry at me because they, they, they didn't believe that what I was doing was right. And, and they said, don't you know the Bible says God helps those who help themselves? And so I, I sat there for a minute. And I said, look, I don't want to offend you in anything, but the Bible doesn't say that. He says, it does? I said, give me a script, you know, chapter and verse. Well, I don't know where it is, but it's in there. And I said, I hate to tell you, no, it's not. That's a quote from Benjamin Franklin. It did not come from the Holy Word of God. Needless to say, they weren't too happy with me, but they should have rightly divided the word. Don't come out and go to sword drill with me if you don't know what the word is. All right. So my point is, it does take effort. But there's a lot of people that want to make shortcuts. And so you get people that are the pointers and the hopers. All right. It's like they wake up in the morning and they're going to a word from God. Going to thumb through, going to thumb through, going to thumb through. Go right there. That's it. What's the word for me today, Lord? So if you're doing that, what happens if your finger falls on Genesis 9.20? You know what Genesis 9.20 says? For Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank the wine and got drunk and was uncovered in his tent. <laughs> what are you going to do with that one? <laughs> well, I guess, Lord, you're telling me to plant a vineyard and get drunk. <laughs> you know, my children, we raised our children, and, and then when they're little, you, you're all the time telling them, don't do that. Watch out. Don't put your finger in the socket, right? You're, you're telling them all these things. You're teaching your children. But I don't call my son today and say, listen, son, if you're close to the electrical socket today, don't put your finger in it. <laughs> because he's matured. He grew, he matured, and he learned, and he rightly divided what is good and what is healthy in life and what is not. And God expects us as Christians to mature in our hearing his voice. There may be a day that that worked when you threw your finger down. 
But God wants us to mature. That's no way to hear the voice of God by taking a random choice. You're going to fall on the right page. Hey, what if he got more serious? What if he fell on Matthew 27, 5? You know what that says? And he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple, departed, and went out and hung himself. Hello? So we have to mature. We have to study to know what the Word of God says because you can't do this random thing. Now, I want to tell you, all there has been times in my life that I actually like threw open the Bible and it fell to a page and I happened to look down and there was a word there for me. But that's not the way I do it all the time. I don't wake up in the morning and throw the Bible and see what comes out. We're supposed to mature, we're supposed to grow. E, uh, Samuel didn't know the voice of God. He had to be trained to go and hear. Eli had to sit him down and say, now, Tell him, you're the servant. Yes, I'm your servant, Lord. I will do it. What do you want me to do? Okay. So um, here we go with another one. Okay. So what are we going to do <clears throat> if you get if you get into saying, well, look, God says he's going to bless me no matter what. So I'm just going to go do it. All right. So turn to Psalms 1 and let's look at Psalms 1.1. Psalms 1.1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Oh, Lord, you said whatever I do will prosper, so I guess I can go do whatever I want to do. There's people. Well-meaning Christians who just take that scripture and pull it out of text and say, oh, well, God bless me in anything I do. So, well, it won't make any difference. I don't need to hear the direct voice of God or, or, or be led by the spirit. He said, whatever I do, will prosper. So I'm just going to go do it. But wait a minute. You forgot about the first part of the verses. What? that says, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law, he meditates day and night. In other words, this person had to do something to meditate on the word, to hear the word, to be studying, rightly dividing the word, so that then whatever he put his hand to prospered because he heard God. Hello? I am very fearful. Uh, the only thing I'm fearful of is, is, is missing God, and I don't want to do something either thinking I was doing it for God, right? I don't want to jump out and... No matter what I'm doing, I don't want to get involved in a mission program or this, that, or the other. At least I know that God has said it to me. And you say, well, pastor, you know, whatever you do, you know, God said it'll prosper. No, not necessarily. Everything has to be about it. Now, I'll tell you a couple of my mistakes in life. One time, years ago, you know, going on probably 28 years ago, I was in the church here and I was praying. And when I was praying, I had an open vision. And I saw... At, the, at that time, the church was turned going this direction, and back over there was the sound booth. And I saw coming out of the sound booth, big old cords. And they ran out the door, and they went out there, and I saw people all sitting in the parking lot. And it's like the old, old movie theaters, though, that you went to, the drive-ins. And everybody had a speaker in their car, and they were uh, listening to the message. And I, after this happened, I was praying about it. I said, man, Lord... I guess you want me to go to San Antonio and buy a couple of big old speakers and we're going to have, you know, people out in the, in the deal. So I went to San Antonio and found the two biggest speakers I get my hands on. Man, these were honkers, man. Bought these speakers, came home, had those speakers for years, never could even find out a place to use them. And then one day somebody came in and said, Pastor, you ever think about going on the radio? I said, I don't have any idea how to get on the radio. And then they, sh they said, well, we have connections and we can do this and we can make this happen. And then... We, we did it, and they started doing it, and it started going out, and, and, and then all of a sudden when I was like, oh, way to go, stupid. It never was <laughs> two speakers. It was in their car. It was the radio, which has blossomed into everything that we have going out now. You see, you can hear God, but you can get it wrong. You're going to apply it wrong. Now, thank goodness, all I did was have those two big old speakers, and I found a church that was just starting, and... I said, hey, I got something for you. And I sewed them. I figured there's got to be some redemption in that. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying is we have to mature in the things of God. Hello? You can't just do this. You can't just. There's always going to be a human element involved. And you've got to be careful of that. 
that you don't try to add to or take away from what God's saying. If you just rightly divide the word, know what God sounds like. Now, how many of y'all, I was in a, 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 a business the other day and that lady walked up to me and she said, would you like some water or a pop? And it took me back for a second. I was like, what? And the other person with me says, where are you from? And she said, well, I just moved here from Missouri. I said, oh, okay, that figures. And she said, why? Because I said pop. And we both said, yeah, <laughs> we don't say pop around here. So immediately when she said that, it, I, I distinguished she's not from here. When you start to know the voice of God, it's the same way when you start to realize how God speaks and what he says to you. Then you start to notice, wait, that's God. That's not me. Because here's another voice you have. You have a voice of reason in you. Okay, the voice of reason in you. The voice of reason is what the voice of that's in you that you have developed over the years from experiences you've had. The voice of reason. All right? And so the voice of reason can be right or it can be wrong. You could be a kid who grew up and just knew you didn't like tomatoes. And he said, Jerry, you eat a tomato? No, I just know I don't like them. And then one day you ate a tomato and said, you know, it's not so bad. Or whatever it be, right? I'm not advocating tomatoes. Don't say pastor's new cure is tomatoes. No, I'm just saying, I'm just using an example. You know, I not like cheese or whatever. And then one day you ate it and you liked it. Well, the voice of reason told you you didn't like it. May have told you you didn't like it for some other, you know, reason in your life or whatever. Your, your parents didn't eat it. Y'all with me? And so my point is, I'm trying to say the voice of reason, it can be right, but it might be wrong. So you say, well, how do I know? Well, when you're dealing with the voice of reason, the only way you're going to know is when you do it and see if it works out or not. You guys, have you ever like had been working on a vehicle and, and you just know that this is what's wrong and you're working on that vehicle and you're saying, this has got to be it. I know this is it. And then you do that and you fix it and it wasn't it at all. Right? Why? The voice of reason took you down that pathway. You reasoned that that was it, but you were wrong. And all I'm saying to you is you don't want to live your life. You need to have reason like, you know, don't run out in the middle of a hailstorm. Right? That's a good voice of reason to listen to. So I'm not saying the voice of reason is all bad. It's just that you have to, you can't, don't jump off the building by the voice of reason. All right? The second one, or the third one, I don't know where I'm at here, but the, uh, the next one is the voice of your conscience. Your conscience has a voice. Man, it's so quiet in here. Y'all are scaring me. I'm not telling you something that's like, like from outer space. This is just, some, it's not that scary. Y'all are just kind of like everybody, I feel like the air is getting sucked out of here. The next one I say, y'all go, <gasps> <clears throat> just hang with me here. It's not, this is all good. I want to get down to the good stuff here in just a minute. But you have the voice of your conscience. Now, how does your conscience, the voice of your conscience gets developed? It gets developed by your raising. When your parents told you as a kid, don't do that, that's not right. No, you be nice. No, you stop that. No, you eat with a fork. You don't eat with your fingers. That developed your voice of conscience in there. Okay? But there's a little bit of a danger here. Because depending on how your voice of conscience was developed by your parents guiding you, you know, they could have said, hey, look, if he's got two shovels, then we, it's okay to take one. Right? So therefore, you steal. It's not really a lie if they don't know it. Y'all with me? So see, what I'm saying is your conscience can be skewed one way or the other. Or it could be the other thing. I saw him eat a tomato, and we know tomatoes are of the devil, and he ate it, and he's of the devil. And you're like, what? I'll tell you a funny one. When I was, first time I was in the Ukraine years ago, back in 93, and I was preaching, and I told my testimony. And I, I told them, you know, I, I just told my testimony. I said, you know, used to love to go out and dance and drink and get in fights and stuff. And so I noticed they all kind of looked at me kind of funny. And afterwards, the man came up to me that was doing the interpretation. He said, he said you, you should not say that it's very... It's not right. It's a very slam on your character because you drank. I said, really? And he said, alcohol has never touched 
my lips. I was like, oh, aren't you righteous? And so a little bit of a rift came, you know, between us. And so I just, I never quit telling my testimony. I just tell them, everybody over there is drinking alcohol of any form they can get, you know. And so anyway, I was just trying to tell people they could get delivered. And so then Communion Sunday comes up. It's Communion Sunday. And so they're passing the communion cup around to me. And it was one cup. And I was like, oof. And so I said, I, as a guest speaker, I get to go first, right? And they said, no, no, you go last. And I was like, ay, ay. <laughs> So it's one of those times that you have to pray that you don't die from communion, you know? And so the cup comes to me. And when the cup gets to me and I'm looking in it, and I'm thinking, well, it's just grape juice. And I put my lips to that thing and I tipped her back and I was like, <laughs> I mean, this is a hundred proof hooch. I mean, this, it set me on my heels. And as soon as they saw me go, <laughs> and I looked over at that guy and he says, he just realized he was convicted. He said, alcohol has never touched my lips. And I looked at him, he says, only in communion. And I'm like, yeah. But you see, his conscience was like, oh, I'm such a horrible person because I drank beer. But then yet he was drinking this stuff that I wouldn't have touched on a Saturday night. You follow me? Your conscience can be skewed. So you've got to, it's a voice that's going to speak to you, but you've got to really watch it. Is that right? How do you get your conscience lined up? What did Jesus do? That's it. What did Jesus do? Jesus did it. Your conscience should say, okay, the Bible's full of all through the book of Acts. Everybody's arguing about meat, whether you're supposed to eat meat or not eat meat that was sacrificed to an idol, and they go through all this whole big deal, and it's all about conscience, okay? But you just can't watch the voice of your conscience. you got to watch it. You can't just always do with what the voice of your conscience is if it's not lined up with the Word. Again, rightly divide the Word, you'll be okay. This, the woman caught in the midst of adultery in John 8. What did it say? Jesus spoke to him. He says, well, okay, he was without sin. Let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says they were convicted by their conscience. That, was their, that wasn't the voice of God speaking to them. That was their inward voice saying, ah, oh, he's right. Okay? So the voice of your conscience is not bad. Just make sure it lines up with the word. Okay? Then you have the voice of your soul. You say, well, now you're, you're just adding too much. No, you do. You have a voice of your soul. Okay? You got to watch this baby, though. The one that really gets you in trouble is the voice of your soul. Because your voice of your soul is your innermost desires. And it's involved with your emotions and your will. Right? And so the voice of your soul can get very judgmental, can get very critical. Because if it doesn't line up with the way you think things should line up, you think it's not right. I never forget one of my first trips I ever took to Houston. Um, and <laughs> we were sitting at a restaurant and eating, and the guy walked by. And I was just looking at him. And he walked by. And the guy with me said, what are you thinking? And I said, I was thinking, I bet he never skinned a deer. <laughs> I was judging him. The way he was dressed, what he had on. I was just like, yeah, he ain't never skinned a deer. That's the voice of your soul. There's some of you that love cars, okay? And you love cars, you see a car, you're like, oh, look at the car, oh, that's a great car. That's the voice of your soul speaking to you, okay? I look at it and say, ah, I wonder how many guns I could buy with that. You show me an old Winchester, and I just go to drooling out the side of my mouth, I had to just wipe it off. I'm the worst person trying to buy something like that. Show me an old Colt pistol, I'm just like, <laughs> lose all reason, you know? And so it's the voice of your soul speaking. Some of you are going to have things that, you know, you love and others of us don't. And, but that's okay. Again, the voice of your soul isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just has to be in check, rightly dividing the word of God. So you don't want to spend everything that you own and put yourself in the poorhouse and put your family in distress to buy that thing you wanted to have so bad. That's wrong. You're, not, you're listening to the voice of your soul. And somebody says to you, well, why did you do this? Because I wanted it. You've listened to the voice of your soul. You didn't listen to the voice of reason. The voice of reason would say, no, wait a minute. If you spend all the money doing that, well, then you wouldn't have this, and then this is not going to get taken. That's the voice of reason. The voice of your conscience would say, eh, you know, that's, that, that, I don't think that's really right. That's not really the right thing you should do, if it, was a, if it was in check, right? But the voice of your soul could lead you astray. All right. Then there's the voice of just plain old Beelzebub himself. 
the devil. Now, the voice of the devil is going to really like to speak to the voice of your soul. Because also involved in, the, in your soul is your Adamic nature, your flesh. Go ahead, say what you want to. Tell them off. That's the devil trying to get you to do something wrong, but he's not going to say something that isn't something you'd be tempted with. Are you following me? Okay, so, all, so you got, we've got a bunch of flyers around in here, you know? And so y'all all love airplanes and stuff. The devil's not going to come tempt me to go buy a million dollar airplane and uh, learn how to fly. He's not going to say, I want you, I want to, he's not going to sit over here in, 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 the, in, the, in the demonic hole and say, let's see how we can get Robert. Let's go see if we can't get him to buy an airplane so he'll go broke and, and that's what, that'll hurt him. Because it ain't going to work with me. I have no desire. I like my feet on the ground. You see? The devil's not going to come to me and tempt me the way. He's going to tempt me with something that he knows I might do. Something that like my soul would desire or my flesh would do. All right. Again, he's not going to say, look, uh, he's not going to tempt me with saying, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go take a computer class, learn to, to, to be a computer class so you can become a computer hacker and hack into these people and destroy their business. I can't even get my iPhone to work. Right. So the voice of the devil is always going to come to you and try to tempt you in the fleshly, soulish part of you that you would be given to do. If you're if you're given to arrogance, then he's going to tempt you. You are so great. You are so good. You so amazing. Nobody's as good as you. I don't know why they don't see that you're not better than they are. That's what his voice is going to sound like. If you're given to shame or guilt, he's going to come. Oh, they all know what you did. You are such a sorry, no good. That's the voice you're going to hear. Right? That's how he's going to tempt you. And what the world can't see right now is the devil is just whispering into everybody's ear, getting them to do every crazy thing in the world, Christians and non-Christians. And all he's doing is playing on their weaknesses. And so once they play on their weaknesses and get them into that place, well, then he just speaks the right words to them and they do it. So let's just now I want you to talk about hearing the voice of God. Number one thing about hearing the voice of God is always lines up with his word. He will never tell you anything that doesn't line up with the word. Here we go back to the first. But if you didn't rightly divide the word, how do you know what you heard was God? You got to know what the word says. You got to rightly divide it if you can rightly divide it. It's not right. But God's never going to tell you anything that doesn't line up with his word. The next thing about hearing the voice of God is it's always going to exalt his nature, not your nature, but his nature. So you're not going to hear the voice. This is not the voice of God. OK, I'm going to try my best to get it done. But hold on. Maybe it'll happen. That ain't his voice. Right? Because he's Jeremiah 32, 27. He's the God of all flesh. Ain't nothing too hard for him. Okay. In a message back or two messages back, I talked about the word of God, that the word of God is Jesus. Okay. So in hearing the voice of God, it's always going to look like Jesus. So you have to put yourself in that. Say, what would Jesus be doing? How would he act? How would he react? It's always going to look like Jesus. So the voice speaking to you is going to hear, you're going to hear, it's going to, Look like what Jesus would have done. Huh? The next one is, is the voice of God is always going to have a redeeming value to it. God's not going to say you're a sinner and you're bound for hell. And not give you the second part. If you repent and turn to Jesus, I will save you and love you forever. Right? He's always got a redeeming value to his, his, his word. And then the last part about the, the always hearing the voice of God is that it's always in the way of love. If you hear, you think you hear the voice of God saying, I'm going to smoke you. That's not God. That's the devil trying to get you to think it's God. Do you see what I'm trying to do here, Christians? I'm just trying to get you to understand if you, if you, if you can just get these things down in your life quickly, you can distinguish if what's speaking in your head, because all of us are listening to something. And if you can just get hold of these and just have these little 
deals down in your heart that you know, you can quickly distinguish, is it the voice of God? Is it the voice of reason? Is it the voice of your conscience? Is it the voice of your soul? What is speaking? Now, God will never give you a word that's only negative. He, he's always going to be a way out and a blessing at the end. Let me give you an example. Uh, Luke 6.38, it's a real easy one to look at to show you this. Luke 6.38, it says, give and it shall be given to you. Okay, but you had to do something, right? You, you first gave and then it's given back to you. And then how does it come back? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In other words, God's promise is you have to do something. You give, then I will give it back, but it's going to come back bigger than you gave. That's how God speaks. You repent, and I'll pour the blessings of God on you. But you have to do something first. And then there's another little part of this. Proverbs 22.9 or 22.9 says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives his bread to the poor. So there's an attitude of the heart in this thing. You don't give to get, but as you give and you're generous, because that's your heart, comes back to you. I once took, because the Lord spoke to me about this, I once took $5. And this is a true story. I have it written down in a, in a log at my house. And... uh the Lord spoke to me one day. I'm on the construction site, and God says, I want to show you about the principles of my giving. I want you to give that construction worker $5. I said, $5? I mean, $5? $5 is nothing, Lord. Why would I give you $5? It's almost an embarrassment to giving $5. I'm, I'm embarrassed to go in this area. God told me to give you $5. I mean, <laughs> 50 Maybe a little better. But he said $5, and I knew the Lord. I knew, his, I knew if he said $5, it was $5. And if I gave 50, that wasn't going to work because I didn't do what he said. I'd be disobedient. So I went over to the guy, and I said, look, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, and I'm just asking you to just shut up and take it. And I said, I said, here, I'm supposed to give you $5. And he's like, what? And I said, I said, just shut up and take it. And so I went back. So I wrote it down and wrote the date that I gave the $5. Then shortly thereafter, a day or two goes by, a person comes up to me and says, I felt like I was supposed to give you some money here. Looked at it and opened up, 50. So I kept the 50. I said, okay, Lord, what do you want to do with it? Went a couple of weeks and the Lord said, I want you to sell that 50. Give that $50 to that person over there. So I said, okay. So I gave him $50. Shortly thereafter, it comes back, a person comes to me. And says, I want to give you, I'm supposed to give you some money and gave me a, a check. It's $500. I said, man, I'm liking this, Lord. We're getting somewhere now. <laughs> Started with five, got 500 now. And I logged this in a book. Kept it. Kept that $500 in an envelope. Waiting for it. Finally, one day, God said, I want you to give it to them. Gave them $500. Now, I'm not, I'm not making this up. My wife's sitting right over there. She can tell you this happened. Comes back, boom. I got 5000 And then the Lord, I was ready for the next jump. I'm like, I'm liking it. I'm liking it. And the Lord said, now I want you to sow that five grand. And I just want to show you what the principle is all about. And he said, now there's going to be blessings come from that. But you're not. It's, in other words, the test is over. Because I was expecting, you know, 50. <laughs> I got five sowed. I'm going to get 50,000 now. You know, and I was just looking. I was going to run this puppy up to the millions. <laughs> But the Lord just said, no, that's it. And I did it. I sowed it, did what I was supposed to do. And then, you know, I mean, there was blessings in our life, but I can't say it was like it went down that line and it stopped. God showed me what he would do. But that's how God is. You give, he gives back. That's the principle. That's his voice. If he says, look, I'm gonna, I want you to give and don't even expect anything in return because I'm not going to do anything. Doesn't line up with his word. Here's another one, Acts 3.19. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. You repented. You with me? Conversion came. Sins were blotted out. God always is going to speak to you in this realm. I need you to do this. When you do this, 
I'm going to do this, but it's going to be bigger than what you did. Another one, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. What? You come. Right? You have to make the come. You have to do the coming. You have to do the walking. You come. And then. I'll give you rest. You take my yoke. And learn of me. And you'll find rest for your souls. You see, there's always this. This is the engagement with God. He's going to ask you to do something so that then he's speaking over here. But the blessing coming over here is greater. That's why I can never understand why people don't want to serve God. Because, I mean, of just all the things about it. But, but in hearing the voice of God, God is going to be speaking to you. But no matter what he would ask you to do, he's going to come back to you greater than whatever you gave up. We have to mature. It's an ever-ending process of keeping and growing and maturing. Are you all with me? Now, this, is, this sounds weird, but it's the only way I know how to, because I'm trying to help you all. I'm trying to just lay it all down, and I'm not worried about getting an ugly letter or somebody telling me I'm trying to lead you off. I'm trying to help you here. When you hear the voice of God, you're going to have to hear it through your senses, through your brain. Your brain's going to have to function. You follow me? I mean, your ears have got to hear it. The sound's got to reverberate in your eardrum, and it's got to come into you or down here in your still, small voice, and it's going to sound like you. I would say that you probably need to talk to Dr. Brown afterwards. If, if you have a voice speaking to you inside of you, you know it's coming from you, and it you know, sounds like Efren Zimbalist Jr. Because that ain't right. You say, what is God? It's a still small voice. It's down here on the inside of you. It's going to have to go through the process of your brain. You're going to have to hear it, but it's God telling you. It's God talking to you. Sometimes it's a, it's a scripture. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's an impression. When you just don't feel right about something, you go to sign something. He said, God, am I supposed to do this? And just down on the inside of you, it just doesn't feel right. You're listening to the voice of your spirit. It just, you just know it's not right. I was, I've learned this over, over all my life uh, and, and, and a lot of times the hard way. I remember one time I was working a construction job. And it was an old house we were remodeling. I walked over and I put my hand on the doorknob. As soon as I put my hand on the doorknob to walk outside on the, pat, on the porch of this house, I felt inside of my, my, my spirit, not my, not my inner tummy that gets hungry and I need to feed, but just down inside of me, just went, whoop. It just did. I mean, man, there was something like, whoa. And I, so I said, man, that's weird. And so I went over there. There's a window and I got to the side of the window. I tried to look around, see what was outside that door. Didn't see nothing. And so went back over there and I, Put my hand. It was like a. It was like a feeling of caution. Don't open that door. And I thought that's weird. And so there was another guy on the job, and I said, "Hey, come over and open this door." <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, "You rat, that's sorry." And so then I reached back over, got it again, still couldn't do it. The boss man hollers at me because he was throwing an extension cord up there for me to get to drag inside the house. And he says, you know, you up there, you go to that roof. And it's on. I was like, I got to go. And I jerked over that door. And there was a yellow jacket nest about that big on the outside of that door. And boy, they went to flying and stinging all of us. And I knew afterwards by, by era <laughs> that that was the Lord speaking to me, saying, cautioning me, don't open that door. But I wasn't hearing Robert, yea, hey, thus saith the Lord, there are yellow jackets on the other side of that door. Do not open them. It was right down here. I knew it wasn't right, but I didn't know what to do, and so I just jerked and open. I learned a lesson, right? That's how we're going to experience God, and we're going to grow with God, is because we, we have to learn these lessons, and sometimes they're painful, I listened to the voice of my soul one time because I wanted a certain trailer. I wanted a trailer that had been on our ranch and I, I knew where it was and I wanted it. And I basically prayed and prayed and begged and borrowed and did whatever. And I got hold of that trailer and I got that trailer, got it back, put it on my truck, went to pull it down the road. And I didn't realize that it was too heavy of a trailer for me to pull in the truck that I had. And then my truck overheated all the time. 
And I'm driving down the road and the Lord said, you wanted it? You got it. I heard that. Plain as day. As I sat on the side of the road, putting water in my radiator. I listened to the voice of my soul. It was a desire, something I wanted. So I got it. And the Lord let me have it because he's not going to violate my free will. And I got that baby and I paid for it. You see, so an experience I learned through that I matured to now I'm praying, Lord, should I do this? And he says, don't do it. And I was like, okay, I don't care how bad I want. I ain't going to do it. This is what I'm talking about. I, I'm not saying you're going to hear the voice of God like Efren Zimbalist Jr. booming down inside your, your spirit. I'm saying you're going to hear the tender. The best place to start is hearing the tender voice of his word because you've rightly divided it coming up through you and saying, you know, I love you. You're special. That's the place where you're going to hear it. That's the place where you start and you mature from there. The first words you're going to get is not, yeah, hey, I want you to go into the far country and go into the far land and I want you to establish this and go forth on that. That's not going to be what you're going to hear God brought out of first. Goes back to the. The time I told you all that, I, I just I watched this. I saw this program about the children in Ethiopia and and, and and they were all there shooing the flies off of them and everything. And I thought, oh, that'd be horrible. And then I just got this fear came on me that God was going to call me to Ethiopia. I was going to if I accepted and said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I was going to end up in Ethiopia shooing flies. I just knew it. And I went out on the porch one night and snarlight like night and everything was shining. And I looked up in there and I said, God, don't send me to Ethiopia. And I heard the voice of God so strongly inside of me. Say, why would I send you to Ethiopia? You don't know nothing. <laughs> I mean, I'd only been saved about a month. And he said, what are you going to tell anybody? I'm like, yeah, I don't know anything. <laughs> this is great. I'm not going to Ethiopia. You see, but the enemy was using this and he was saying, so I'm just saying to you, you have to get this. You know, you have to get the voice of God down into perspective that you can understand. Now, here's your last scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. Do not be a child. Do not be immature in your understanding. However, in malice, be babes. Be tender. But in understanding, be mature. God wants us in understanding to be mature. So we're growing. We're on a growing process. And you never get to the place where you have, you're totally matured. Okay? So, this help you? Okay, so then I want to just encourage you. If, you're, if you want to be diligent, you know, you want to be diligent, I, like, this is one of my books that I just pulled out of the bookstore. I got Praying the Word. You can go in here, show you how to pray, show you how to develop your relationship, give you scriptures on, on scriptures to do with. There's books, there's resources, there's things. You can read your Bible, but you folks, you have to be determined to be diligent. And in your diligence, you're going to start hearing the voice of God more and more and more and more in your life, and he's going to be leading you. He's going to be guiding you. Now, you're going to start to mature. You're going to make some mistakes. I just pray they're not big mistakes. Don't jump off the building because God said, I'm going to give you wings to fly. Just don't get crazy. Don't drown in the river because you think you can walk on water because Jesus did. All right, let's don't be extreme. Let's stay with the little things like God loves you and he wants you to hear his voice and his love and his grace and his mercy in you. But I challenge you to start to distinguish who's speaking in your head. Because if who is speaking in your head is the voice of your soul driving you, driving you, driving you to be better that came from maybe the disappointment you feel like you, your parents had in you and this and that and the other and you're developing all of this and that's the voice that's speaking to you and then the devil's adding to it and all that. Folks, you're just living in torment. And that's not where you're supposed to be. I this morning was up praying early and quoting my scriptures and doing just what I've told you all to do. And, and the Lord gave me a revelation, showed me something. That literally I had been saying out of my mouth and he stopped me and said, don't say it again. Don't say it again. This is the truth of it. And when I saw the truth of it, it I felt literally as not necessarily in my physicalness. I didn't physically feel this, but I just felt like that everything just fell onto the ground and I was light as a feather. Of just, just, just my thought changed. And I was like, Wow. 
And then I went to fighting the dung beetles off everything and trying to get them done. Okay? So it's a, it's a journey, right? It's a journey that we're on. And hearing the voice of God. So I just encourage you, go back and listen to the messages, study, get you books, get you whatever you can get to keep building yourself and building yourself and building yourself. You need to go to Freedom Prayer, get some more help, go talk to Dr. Brown, sign up for Freedom Prayer, do whatever you can do to help get you to the maturity level that we need to be at. Amen? Amen. Well, stand up if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down? If you're on the prayer team today. I just want to encourage everyone out there that's listening. Listen to me. Jesus loves you. That's truth. That's the voice of God speaking to you right now. Jesus loves you. He has mercy for you and he has grace for you. But he also wants you to know that you're going to die and go to heaven. He wants you to know that you know that you know that you're right with him. And the Bible's real simple. It says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. Wow. That's so amazing. Save from what? Save from the wrath of God. Save from a life in hell and, a, and entering into eternal life with Jesus. So if you're out there and you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven, right there, just confess and say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And right there, he will touch you. If you're in here today and you're not sure, we have prayer people up here to pray with you. Or if you need prayer over any other, other circumstance or any other situation going on, that's why our prayer team is up here. And so I want to bless you. I want to pray over you. And I just encourage you, church. Man, we're going to mature. Listen to me. You got it? You got it? You're going to mature? You're going to hear the voice of God clearer than you ever have? You are going to be people who are diligent? Diligent to... Know the word of God, to study the word of God, and you're going to see his blessing come upon your life. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I just declare right now, bless them. Lord, as we go from here, just bless them. Pour yourself out upon them. Lord, I just declare that in the days ahead, they're going to hear your voice clearer than they ever have. That we are going to be people who are diligent to study your word, to show ourselves approved of you, O oh God. That we're going to get down to this where we know that the, the, the voices that are coming to us, that, Lord, who is you and who is not? And then we're going to separate that and we're going to walk in victory and glory. I pray, Lord, today that you just your hand is upon them all, leading them, guiding them, directing them, blessing them everywhere, Lord God. And we give you praise for it in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.